Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come on and fly with me Let's fly, let's fly away Welcome to Let's Travel. Today we have Dr. Eva Ritvo with us, the founder of the Be Kinder Global Initiative and the author of Be Kinder, The Transformative Power of Kindness. Welcome. Thank you, Patrice. It's wonderful to be here with you. Now, Dr. Eva, tell us, how did you stumble upon the Be Kinder concept? Well, Be Kinder has its origins actually many years ago. Um, I was going through a difficult time in my own life and had an unusual experience. And I was on air one day, similarly to what we're doing here today. And the radio announcer asked me after we spoke on air whether I wanted to speak off air. And we struck up a friendship. And it was the most unusual way, I thought, to start a friendship. But I was going through a difficult time, and I found his words to be so helpful and so comforting. And to this day, we haven't met in person, but it was a relationship that really helped me in my time of need. And as a psychiatrist, I was curious about that. Why is it that I had so many people in my life? I wasn't alone. I wasn't isolated. Yet help came to me in this very unusual form. So I thought, I wonder if other people have had this experience. Experience. So I, I put out a call for stories. I put it on the internet. I asked my friends. I sent email blasts. And the next thing you know, I had about 220 stories of kind acts by strangers. And several themes emerged. One that emerged quite clearly was when we travel, we have to rely on the kindness of strangers quite often. So out of the 220 stories, there was so many stories of, you know, I was driving on a trip and got a flat tire. I was flying. I was sick in the airport. Somebody helped me. Um, my hotel wasn't there. Somebody asked if I wanted to stay with them. Uh, I sat next to somebody on the airplane. And by the time we got off the plane, we were friends and they drove me to my destination all kinds of stories. But I think the best travel story that I came across was the story that's now actually on Broadway. And that's the story called Come From Away. I know that play. That is marvelous. <laughs> how does that get it? How is that involved? Well, um, like I said, I try to get stories from all different ways, but I got connected to uh, a lovely man who was uh, an investor, one of the producers in Come From Away. And we said, wow, our projects have a lot in common. And he said, sure, would you like to interview someone from the play and, and incorporate them in your book? So how do you say no to that? So he let me, you know, find out about the play. And he said, well, you know, choose anybody that you would like to interview and we'll see if we can make that happen. So I fell for the love story, of course. Um, and for those listeners who don't know about Come From Away, it's the story of how on September 11th, at a time of terrible tragedy, uh, kindness emerged. And kindness oftentimes emerges when we're in crisis and people recognize, wait, we're not all separate. We're all one. We're all here to help each other. And people really step forward in times of crisis. We see it every time there's a, a storm or an earthquake or a tsunami. 
people just flood in from all different sorts of places to try to help. So on September 11th, when they had to close the airfield, uh, multiple planes had to land in Gander, Newfoundland. And in fact, there were 3,000 stranded passengers there for an, an island that barely has that many inhabitants. I see. So Come From Away is a beautiful play that, that lets you know about those events that occurred in the days following September 11th. We all know the horror of what happened on that day. But prior to this play, very few of us knew about such a profound outpouring of love and support. So 3,000 people showed up there unannounced, uninvited, and yet everybody came forward to open their homes, to to feed them, to clothe them, to help them to get medication, everything they needed. And out of that experience, two people, Nick and Diane, who actually were on the same plane but hadn't met on the same plane, they ended up uh, being a little bit delayed because they both had to uh, wait to get medication. So they ended up in the same gymnasium to sleep. And out of this horrible time, somehow this this man and this woman found one another. And it was a beautiful love story. Right place, right time. Well, I think it was the wrong place and the wrong time. <laughs> but nonetheless, for these two people, something magical happened. And they met each other. He lived in London at the time. She lived in Texas, uh, outside of Houston. So rather a long commute. So they... Um, ended up he relocated over here and the nice thing is this is a story that's now been going on for for I guess more than 15 years almost 20 years and they have a really beautiful love story and they are probably the kindest people I have ever met um they just ooh ooze kindness out of every pore, both of them. And it's so nice that um, at first they were, you know, uh, quiet about their story because what an odd thing to fall in love on September 12th. And so they didn't tell their story for quite a while. But now some of the pain has diminished for some people. Of course, some people can never recover from 9-11. But for others, there has been a lot of recovery and people are happy to hear that, that this powerful love emerged there. And I feel very strongly that we need to see love. Um, We need to see positive role models like this. Uh, Nick and Diane weren't kids when they met. Um, In fact, I think she was celebrating her 60th birthday around the time they met. So they're just spectacular people. And I know that uh, lots of people are are interested in them. So they're Nick and Diane Marson. You can check them out on social media. But that has to be one of the best travel stories I've ever heard. I think so. Now, are they Be Kinder Global ambassadors? Absolutely. They are the first story in the book. And as I said, they're just wonderful people. So they're spreading kindness wherever they go. So Be Kinder Global Ambassador is something very simple. Patrice, all of our listeners can become them right now. They can just decide, hey, I'm a Be Kinder Global Ambassador. Because all that means is that you've made a decision, an active conscious decision to be kinder so simple. That's it. We're not asking you for money. You don't even have to send us an email. Nothing. Just 
in your own head, make that decision. I want to be kinder. And we make that even easier because you don't have to be kinder to strangers. That's just what this book was about. But the global initiative is much broader than that. And hopefully subsequent books will be showing you that kindness comes in all kinds of forms. The first place to start is with oneself. And certainly taking a trip, traveling is a great way to be kinder to yourself. So if any of our listeners are thinking, gee, maybe I I can't afford that yet, or maybe I should put that off. No. Seize the moment. Be kinder to yourself. Take that time off. Don't put yourself under financial stress because that's unkind. But whatever kind of travel you can do, if it's a half a day, if it's overnight, doesn't matter. But taking a break from our everyday routine is a really powerful way to be kinder to ourselves. I agree with that. Uh, I have a couple of statistics I wanted to share with you and our listeners. This year is one of the biggest travel years, and some of the statistics are rather astounding. 1.2 billion international travelers will be traveling this year. And for international tourist arrivals, the largest ones are France with about 82 million, Mm. United States, 75 million, Spain, 75 million, China, 59 million, Italy, 52 million, Germany, 35 million, Moscow, 35 million, Thailand, 32 million, Malaysia, 26 million, and... Obviously, there are all the places in between. Now, with that many people traveling. That's incredible, And that's not just air travel. It is by car, by train, uh, probably by foot. So some people are doing hiking and other Mm -hmm. things. How does one remain kind when they are traveling? And when you're in different countries, because the values are different, How does one do that? Do you have any suggestions? Well, travel is something that is so stimulating and so rewarding. And your your numbers are quite shocking that this many of us are able to do international travel within a year. That's extraordinary. Um, So that shows how powerful humans' desire to go new places and see new things is. So it's something that brings us a lot of joy, clearly. I wonder out of your statistics how much of that is business versus pleasure. Well, that's very hard to know. There are a few a few little tips that you know uh, I've researched, so I'll, I'll just repeat those, and then you can you can give a few tips as well. Well, some of them is uh, you know to learn the language where you're going, even if it's please and thank you, and maybe the menu language, but you know to be kind and be patient. Patience is. Very important. How do people cultivate patience? Well, I I think you bring up a very good point because when we travel, we're out of our comfort zone, we're out of our routine, and that brings excitement and fun, but it can also bring anxiety. So when we're traveling, it's best to have expectations that are realistic. We're not going to be able to accomplish as much as we would be able to do in in a day at home. So being patient and being kind with yourself. Maybe you're not going to be able to stick to your diet as well. Maybe you're not going to be able to exercise as much as you would at home. But remember, you know, what is the purpose of being there and focus back on that purpose. If it's to see something new, to learn something new, to bond with somebody, 
prioritizing when you travel is very important and being kind to yourself. Sometimes it's difficult for people to sleep, you know, with between a time change, between an unfamiliar bed. But being kind to yourself is very important if you want to wake up the next day and be patient. So not overdoing it, um, not, not having excess alcohol or drugs that are going to disrupt your sleep so that you're not feeling well the next day. Because when we travel, things go wrong um, and we need to be prepared and particularly if it's a different language, it can be difficult to solve those problems. So I think kindness to self is really important when we're traveling and getting a good night's sleep, eating as best you, you can, and pacing yourself and not trying to think you're going to see all of Paris in a day or all of Manhattan in a day and recognize that if your priority is there to have fun or bond, then then that's what you need to stay focused on. I like that advice. Some of the other things are dressed respectfully, learn the local customs, well, you, you mentioned international travel, and when we travel internationally, of course, we're going to come into cultures that we're not familiar with. And so something that might seem kind in one culture, like making eye contact or shaking hands, might be considered very inappropriate in another culture. So it's always a good idea, particularly if you're going farther away, to learn a little bit about that culture so that if you want to show up in a foreign country as a kind person, you know what that looks like. Right, there are certain cultures where where um, you have to bring a gift wherever you go, and if you don't know that, then you know you're going to be in trouble when you show up without bringing something. So do your homework whenever you're traveling. It's a good idea to do your homework. In fact, whenever you're doing something unfamiliar, do your homework. Um, but whenever we embark on something new or different, it's good to you know dive into that internet, talk to friends, and see you know what's going to be most appropriate for the place that you're going to in terms of dress in particular, but also, as I said, eye contact, touching people, things that people talk about varies from culture to culture, uh, routines. I know, you know, my, my daughter was living in Michigan and, and dinner was at five. Um, I live in Miami, dinner's at nine. Um, so just, you know, knowing knowing a little bit about the, the place that you're going can help a lot. Well, that applies in, uh, not only to foreign travel, but within the United States. As right. Well. True. So another little point is tip where tipping is due, because in many uh, European countries and often in the United States, when you have a group larger than six, the tip is included. But sometimes the tips aren't included. So this, again, is do your research Correct. in relation to Correct. The, the very hardworking people that are in restaurants and in hotels, right. et cetera. And that brings us to that topic of kindness, which is when you're traveling, you're going to interface with a lot of people that you – haven't usually uh, met or that you've never met and that you're never going to see again. And sometimes that an anonymity allows people to be rude or brusque or rushing. But we have to remember that we as Be Kinder Global Ambassadors have to show up wherever we show up in a kind way. So you know, greet the doorman appropriately, tip your housekeeper, trip, tip the waitress, tip people in the airports. It's an opportunity for you to touch somebody's life in a positive way. And if it's not a monetary tip, then if it's appropriate, give them a smile, make a kind word, but recognize that you are going to interact with a lot of people. And human emotions are quite contagious. So if you're walking through the airport and you're rushing and you're in a bad mood, people are going to catch that emotion. On the other hand, if you're walking through the airport feeling grateful, you get to go on a trip, you're excited, 
you're happy, then greet people with a smile and their day is going to go better because they've just shown up to go to work and you don't have to do that. I understand. I understand. Another thing is uh, taking pictures. I think in different cultures, some people are very excited about taking pictures, but others, it is not such a normal thing to do. And often many religions prohibit that. Yes. And, and some governments prohibit that. So that goes back to homework again and knowing where you're going and knowing what's going to be appropriate there. And luckily, we live in such an interconnected world that information is readily available. Um, so finding out what the social norms are, including photography, is very important and can prevent you from, from getting in situations that are, are, are awkward or are uncomfortable. Um, I know when I, I went to China with my uh, children many years ago, we were in Dunkin' Donuts, and we thought that was funny, and we were laughing, and we forgot, and we, you know, pulled out our camera to take a picture, and then the fun stopped, and that, you know, put a damper on all of our moods. So just being cognizant of where you are and, and what's appropriate is always going to make your day go better. Well, you know, an airplane is a very small, contained environment. Yes. And one of the things that uh, I have heard recently is that uh, a lot of people don't seem to realize that an airplane is a public space. Uh-huh. Well, airplanes are, are public spaces, but they're also very unusual public spaces because, as you said, we're not used to being so crowded in. But as a psychiatrist, one thing that I think is vitally important and often overlooked is the oxygen's not that great there. And so that means your brain is going to be sort of shutting down that frontal lobe and acting from a more primitive space to save conserve energy. So a lot of people do get anxious when they're flying, which is is normal because there's not a lot of oxygen up there and it is a tight space. And we always talk about uh, how emotions are contagious when you're packed in. It can be very uncomfortable for people because you're, you're just right on top of so many people. So most people don't enjoy that that part of the travel, but they're grateful that we can do it and move around. But when you go to the airport, try to be calm, try to be respectful, understand that nobody is really there to have a fun time those couple hours on the airplane. And again, you know, sometimes less is more. So if there's not a lot of oxygen up there, don't bring your, you know, your high-powered work product that needs to, to get done. I always notice as you walk farther back in the plane and people are a little more crowded, more and more nappers. And and that's, again, because there's just not a lot of oxygen there. So rest when you're on the plane, watch movies, not the best time to do work unless you're up in the front of the plane where the oxygen is a little bit better. Um, And just, you know, recognize that it's, it's a means to an end and that we have to be so grateful that we're living in a time where, my goodness, sounds like, you know, one out of six of us can can do international travel within a year. That These are extraordinary times. It's so easy for us to focus on the negative and we need to focus on the positive, which is what an incredible number that so many of us are so fortunate that we can cross country boundaries and we are living in the flattest time in human history. And it sounds like your travelers and your statistics show we're really taking advantage of it. I think so. I think so. Well, your book is Be Kinder, The Transformative Power of Kindness, and the website is BeKinder.com. It's spelled... 
B-E-K-I-N-D-R. And I do think it's a good book for travel because you can open it up to any place and you can just read one page, two pages, three pages. Nick and Diane's story at the beginning is a little longer, but most of the stories are short. So it does lend itself if you want to pack something, it's light, take it on your trip. If not, we say it's a great book to stay by your bedside and just pick up when you need to think in a different way and try to remember to be kind to yourself, to your loved ones, to your animals, to your environment, and certainly to strangers. And when you're traveling, you're going to meet a lot of strangers. So make sure you you remember to be kinder. Well, thank you, Dr. Eva Ritvo. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Susie and Michael. And Arrivederci. This is Patrice Samara, correspondent for Let's Travel Radio. I'm here in Texas with some very special guests. I hope you'll enjoy the show. I'm here with some guests in Wimberley, Texas. I'm with Bob Cook. Hi. Bob Cook is a photographer and painter and a resident of Wimberley. Dr. Eva Ritvo from Miami, Florida, and the co-founder of Bold Beauty Project. Nice to see you here, Patrice. And also, we're here with Joy Nestor, disabilities advocate, a Bold Beauty model, and ambassador at large for Bold Beauty Project. Hi, Patrice. Well, it's wonderful to be here. And Bob, uh, the reason why everyone is here is because you brought the Bold Beauty Project to Wimberley, Texas. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I first became aware of it about a year ago uh, as I was showing my art in Palm Beach. And the Bold Beauty Project had a booth that was not too far away, and I kept trying to figure out why all these people were running in and out of the booth, the booth, including on wheelchairs. So I started talking to the staff in the booth and uh, met Patrice Samara, who is hosting this segment. And the way I remember it, she said after a couple of days, well, when are you bringing this project to Texas? Showing her pushy side. And, She's a New Yorker. Uh, right, exactly. And now we have brought it to Texas. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. Eva, since you're the co-founder, tell us a little bit about the Bold Beauty Project. The Bold Beauty Project is a nonprofit based in Miami, and we take women with varying disabilities, pair them with renowned photographers, ask them to get together and figure out how the woman wants to be photographed. All our photographers, by the way, are volunteers. And then we create art exhibits, and we display these images alongside a biography of each woman and each photographer. And we have three goals with the project. One is to transform the way women with disabilities are seen in the media and show them in their most bold and beautiful way. It gives them an opportunity to see themselves in a different way. We also are very indebted to our photographers, and we hope that we're helping them to expand their concept of who and what is beautiful. And lastly, we'd like to impact our audience and allow them to peer into the lives of these extraordinary women. Thank you, Eva. Joy, I know that you're a bold beauty model and also ambassador at large. Could you tell us what your experience has been with Bold Beauty Project? Well, the Bold Beauty Project really changed my life gave me a 180, I guess, not a 360, because then you'd be back at the same spot. Um, and it gave me confidence I never had up until that time and allowed me to see myself in 
a light that I guess a lot of other people saw me in and saw me as pretty and until the project I never saw that but now I do and um, it gave me the confidence to start dating and now I'm almost three years with my wonderful boyfriend and I'm happy and I'm out there and I want to be a big impact on other young women in the world. Well, that's great. Your picture is absolutely beautiful with the rose petals, and I've never really seen anything like it. It's, it's extraordinary. So uh, right now, Bob has been the host for uh, Dr. Eva and Joy and myself, and Wimberley, Texas is a really beautiful town. It's filled with artists, and uh, we're staying at the Creek Haven Inn and Spa. It's just on the other side of Cypress Creek. It's a unique property. It's beautiful bed and breakfast located right on the creek underneath a canopy of massive cypress trees. The Creek Haven Inn was recently changed ownership and the new owners, Don and Helena Hawk, have just been busy of their first month as innkeepers and have added new guest rooms, a small spa, and they're also uh, adding a lot of amenities and services to the bed and breakfast. I've never seen anything quite like it. Uh, it's filled with streams, beautiful stonework. Uh, would you say, Bob, that this is exemplary of uh, Wimberley? Wimberley has only 2,600 people, but it has over 100 places to stay, ranging from uh, what you could call conventional motels to these specialized be bed and breakfasts. That is hard to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, which uh, each one offers unique uh, benefits, and uh, this can be explored by going to bedandbreakfast.com uh, and then keying in uh, Wimberley more so than the uh, traditional travel sites like Orbitz, uh, uh, Expedia, etc. Well, uh, the Creek Haven Inn can be found at www.creekhaveninn.com, and they've been very generous to the representatives from the Bold Beauty Project, and our rooms are really lovely. So when Bob picked all of us up from the uh, airport, he took us to a unique restaurant called the Salt Lick Barbecue in Driftwood, Texas. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Bob? It's a hill country icon. It is uh, an enormous facility. I, I think it could probably uh, take about a thousand people, although I don't have a precise figure. And it has the most stunning barbecue pit on the planet, uh, which is really something to see. So, um, since this is radio, it's a little hard to see this way, but what you could do is uh, just do a quick search, keying in um, the Salt Lake, Driftwood, Texas, and you'll get some amazing pictures. Well, our, um, when we were there last night, I did take some videos, so all of our listeners will be able to see that and some stills. How did you enjoy it, Eva? Well, I think the most important thing is not the visual, it was the smell. We had, uh, you know, you're tired, you're coming from the airport, it's dark, it's cold, it's rainy, I'm in the backseat of the car whining, are we there yet, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, are we there yet, and then you walk in, and you're bowled over by the smell of the barbecue, and I don't recall ever walking into a restaurant, ever, and feeling that way, it was 
extraordinary. And then you find out why, because you're literally right in the kitchen. And there's this gigantic barbecue pit where they're doing your dinner, and you can see everything right in front of you. So it was a very unique experience and for travelers i would definitely add it to my list because it was worth it i've done only two restaurants that i think would compete with that extraordinary experience one was dining in the dark so that was sort of the opposite of this but it was fantastic and then you sit down at these large picnic tables such a fun atmosphere we ordered and literally as soon as we were done ordering there was our food massive plates with potato salad and coleslaw oh it was fantastic i'm ready to go back so bob tell us what makes wimberly unique i know that you said there are a lot of artists here with our population of 2600 uh we have 240 members of the art league who are uh, involved with professional art in, in different media and uh, different levels of of skill but also, uh, we're in a naturally beautiful place. Uh, Wimberley is at the crossroads of two rivers, the Blanco River and then Cypress Creek, which uh, Patrice had mentioned as uh, passing through the Creek Haven Inn. Also, it has about 140 shops. You don't quite believe this when you come in, but if you start exploring, you will find that. And then uh, unusual amenities for a town this size, including a zip line where you can go all over the uh, hills in the hill country from station to station. Um, so we are a tourist town and uh, we're always anxious to try to tell our story to more people. We're really situated about halfway between Austin and San Antonio. So a visit can encompass one of those towns and uh, our little city as well. Well, I know that Austin is a magnet for all sorts of the arts, music, food, and is very popular in Texas. So I wanted to go back to the Bowl of Beauty project. And uh, Bob, I know you have plans for the Bowl of Beauty project to be displayed. Obviously in Wimberley, there's gonna be a beautiful opening tonight in San Marcos in Austin. And uh, it's uh, remaining there for quite a while. Uh, it's hosted by the Wimberley Valley Art League. And I know that a lot of people have contributed to that. Could you just tell us about uh, your committee and what's going to be happening in Austin as well? Well, the committee uh, has done all the work to pull this off. Uh, I, I'm just trying to take the credit where possible. And um, it, it's, it's about 20 people and does, does follow the 80-20 uh, rule that some people take on a terrific burden more so than the others. Um, Getting back to... We were talking about Austin. I know that you're oh, going okay. to be having this in Austin, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things that people could uh, see in Austin along with the Bowl of Beauty Project. And how long is it going to be there? Well, our schedule is um, we will be completing the uh, show in Wimberley today, or rather tomorrow. And then after that, we're opening in San Marcos, which is a university town about... 12 miles from here and has 50,000 people and that is the fastest growing town in its size class in America. It's anchored by Texas State University so it's a university town which which means there's a certain intellectual content going and it's another great place to visit. Then um, a after the San Marcos show we are going to Austin to what is called the People's Gallery. The People's Gallery is, is nothing more than City Hall, which is an architecturally fantastic building, six years old, 
and they always have a, a very large art exhibition going on. They had not, however, before done an integrated exhibit where all of the pieces are created using the same process. It had been individual artists getting two or three pieces hanging uh, here and there. So they're pretty excited about it, and we, are, we, we will be hanging late this month, and the important date is the mayor's reception, February 22nd, which brings in about 1,500 people, and uh, the mayor addresses the crowd, and we're working on the governor. After that, we are showing... Bob Cook was talking about the People's Gallery in Austin, and it will be shown from February 5th, 2019, until December 31st, 2019. That's a really long show, Bob. It sure is, and we're very excited to have been accepted into there. Thousands and thousands of people will be seeing the exhibition. And when you see it, I, I like to look at this happening in three stages. First of all, you see an interesting and beautiful photograph in very large format size, 30 by 40 inches, roughly. Then uh, there's some artistic value there. But the real goal of the photograph is not to be artistically valid so much as to tell the model's story. So we've also affixed uh, what we call tags, which are, which are 8 by 10 written descriptions of the model, the challenges that she's faced, and uh, basically whatever she wants to write about herself. And the stories are amazing. So when you add the tag information to the photograph, now you've doubled the impact. And the third aspect is the model herself, because our models, we have 20, are trying to get to all of the uh, exhibition places. And they'll, you know, there'll be some dropouts, of course. But if, if you can meet the model as the third event, then you really will understand. Well, the People's Gallery is at 301 West 2nd Street in Austin. And that uh, reception will be on the last Friday of that month and uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. on February 22nd. Eva, I know you had some thoughts about that. Well, I did because the Bold Beauty Project launched in 2015 in D.C. Uh, we then were in Miami in 2016 and then uh, Philadelphia. But this is the first time that a show has rolled out with plans for the entire year. So one, I want to say I am so grateful to Bob for taking this project to a, a bigger and better level. And for the travelers out there, it gives you the opportunity to come into town. Texas is well worth the visit. If you've been here, you know that. If you haven't, come and have a look and it gives more viewers an opportunity to see the bold beauty project and as bob says the aim of the project is to help everybody transform the models the photographers and the viewers and you viewers are the most important because you're our largest audience so it's wonderful bob the way you've organized this so so people can get on their planes trains cars or buses whatever they like and come out and see the bold beauty project if you can't see it live please join us online but we do hope that you can make it to texas and we are looking for our next community to host a Bold Beauty Project. So if any of the listeners are inspired by what they've seen today, please reach heard. out to us, seen, heard. Um, <laughs> please reach out to us because as you heard, that's how Bob got roped in. You just have a look at the project and it speaks to you and then you can, you can take it home to your city and make it your own. Bob, I know there's another uh, aspect of... Texas that uh, you wanted us to take part in, and I think it's called the Gospel Brunch? 
Yes, we, uh, we are in the Bible Belt, and we have uh, every weekend two gospel brunches at least. Um, no, actually three at least. There's two in Austin, and the one that uh, I've gone to more often and I favor is Stubbs, S-T-U-B-B apostrophe S. And also in Green, which is a very interesting town in the middle of the hill country, uh, they have the oldest continuously operated music hall in the state, and it's called Green Hall. And there they do a gospel brunch, which is amazing, and we're going to try to get down there tomorrow morning. Well, I'm really looking forward to doing that. Uh, Bob, I want to thank you so much. Bob Cook, who is a who is an ambassador at large for Wimberley and for Texas, and Joy Nestor, ambassador at large for Bold Beauty. Thank you. And Dr. Eva Ritvo, who is the co-director of the Bold Beauty Project and also the author of Be Kinder, The Transformative Power of Kindness. Now, Be Kinder is a book about kind acts by strangers. And Bob started as a stranger and now has become a, a, a dear friend and a mentor. And we're so grateful for this opportunity. And travel is what allows all of us to make connections with interesting people wherever they might live. So thank you, Patrice, for hosting us today and for opening our eyes and mostly for roping Bob in. <laughs> thank, you. thank you, Bob Cook, Dr. Eva Ritvo, and Joy Nestor on Let's Travel Radio from Wimberley, Texas. Please follow us on Twitter. Check out our website, www.letstravelradio.com where we have more than 350 shows archived and subscribe to our Travel Tattler newsletter. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away.